I want to start today by giving you a heads up that this episode contains in-depth discussions and details about miscarriage and suicidal ideations, so I recommend not listening with any littles around who might hear. These topics can be especially triggering for those who have experienced them personally or have been closely affected. Please prioritize your well-being and consider skipping this episode or seeking support if you believe it might be distressing for you. Remember, it's okay to ask for help and resources are available should you need them. Okay, let's begin. Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast. This show is created to help overwhelmed moms rediscover peace and purpose in their everyday lives. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Ugh, my miscarriages. <laughs> Why do I feel the need to share this? It's often said that a loss, infertility, miscarriage aren't spoken about like it should be, that women don't share enough of the reality of the struggles in this area. I want to begin by saying I honor and respect women who talk about it just as much as I honor and respect those who don't. Where I personally stand, though, is that I want to speak out and share my story from the perspective of a friend talking because... Uh, and I'll talk about this more, but I didn't really have that. I thankfully had a couple of close people that I was able to talk to, but other than that, I felt so alone. So I wanted to share this story in hopes that women will feel seen and heard and validated in the unseen silent pain that miscarriage often is and while I will be completely honest and vulnerable (laughs) today I hope that you take away how precious life is not only your life but the lives of those that God has already given us and the lives of those that we hope to carry In 2019, I was pregnant three times. My first pregnancy that year, I was so excited because my husband and I knew we wanted our son, who was three at the time, to have a sibling. And one just very normal morning, my son woke up and told my husband, Jesus told me I a big brother. Like that was the first thing he said when he woke up. So when my husband told me this, I was completely surprised because we hadn't been talking to him about life with a sibling or prepped him to be a big brother. As far as my husband and I knew at the time, like we still just wanted a child. So it wasn't really on our minds enough to even put it in our son's mind, (laughs) especially not while first waking up. And as far as I knew, I wasn't pregnant. I hadn't missed my period. I didn't have any symptoms. So to me, this was just a sign of God really putting this baby not only in our hearts, but hopefully in our homes. And it wasn't just a hope and a prayer. It was actually going to happen, that he was going to be a big brother. So um, I believe in the power of the spirit of the Lord, but I also believe in kids being so intuitive (laughs) that 
I went and I bought a pregnancy test and it came out positive. Our three-year-old knew that I was pregnant even before I did. (laughs) And we were all so, so happy and overjoyed. And then after that, I started feeling all the first trimester early pregnancy signs. The worst was having an aversion to chicken (laughs) because I ate it every single day. It was a staple in my diet. And then to suddenly feel like I could not even stand the thought of chicken, that was my biggest sign. It lasted for a couple of weeks and then it started going away. And I was starting to tolerate the thought of chicken. And then I started craving chicken again. I knew that aversions could subside as the pregnancy progresses, but I felt like it hadn't progressed enough to where it would be considered normal. So I can't remember at what point into the pregnancy, I took another pregnancy test and the positive line was still there, but it wasn't as strong as it was at first. So I called my doctor and I went in for a blood test, had to wait a few days for the results. But when the nurse called, she said that at this point in the pregnancy, my HCG levels, so my pregnancy hormones basically, um, should have been between 1,100 and 32,000, and my level was 45. She said she was sorry to inform me that it likely wouldn't be a viable pregnancy, and my heart just broke. It felt like my world stopped. I knew the likelihood of having a miscarriage was fairly high, And I understood that it was pretty common, so I accepted it with a broken heart, and I trusted God's plan and His promise for fulfilling the desires of my heart, especially after it seems like He had already spoken that into my child, that He was going to be a big brother. So we held on to the hope that this would be a viable pregnancy, but understanding that even if it wasn't, we had the hope that we would someday get to give our son a sibling. But even at that, when she called and broke that news, I realized we would never have like even a family picture together. I would never get to see this baby. There would never be a cute family picture on the beach with our footprints in the sand or a Christmas card that would be displayed in the homes of our loved ones. (laughs) The only physical evidence I had of its existence was the series of pregnancy tests that had served a reminder of it slipping away, but it happened. It existed. It was real. And I knew that it touched my heart and it was my second child, even if only in my heart, even if I never would get to hold it on this side of heaven. I already had the hope that we would be reconnected, but the fact that he told my son he was a big brother, put such assurance in my heart and in my mind that we will get to be together again someday. I know it won't be on this side of heaven, but we'll get to spend all of eternity together. So thinking about not only had I lost a child, I had lost a lot of the hope of a future together, um, singing songs, teaching him or her how to walk, you know, feeding them, snuggling with them, 
tickling them, all the things that I love to do with my son, um, I had lost all of that hope. So I took a picture of myself crying, capturing the heartbreak in that moment in the same way that I love to capture the emotions my son and my husband felt in pivotal or exciting moments of their lives, like opening a perfect Christmas present or our favorite team winning in the last seconds of the game. This was a defining moment in my life. And while I didn't only want to rely on the series of pregnancy tests that showed how the baby was slipping away, I wanted another reminder that this was very real. Two days later, what felt like very heavy period cramps started, and I knew what was about to happen. So I went to the bathroom and just let my blood pour into the toilet. And the bleeding continued for a few weeks, but my body was healing despite my sadness. I was physically healing, but emotionally, I was struggling. When we prayed with our son each night before bed, we thanked Jesus for the baby in heaven that was with Jesus and in perfection. And we thank God in advance for another baby that we hoped that the Lord would give us. A few weeks later, I became pregnant again, and my heart was so, so joyous once again. It felt like the Lord had heard my cries, had wiped away the tears, and gave me what my family and I wanted so badly. So I called my doctor and she normally waits until the 12 week mark before seeing patients just because the risk of miscarriage is so high. But knowing I had just had a miscarriage, she wanted to see me in her office at the six week mark to monitor this progress more closely. So at six weeks, my husband my son and I went into my doctor's office and we saw this beautiful little bean shaped thing that looked perfect. We saw and we heard this baby's heartbeat and my doctor gave us the encouragement that this looked like a perfectly healthy baby, but told us that she would see us again in a couple of weeks just because she knew I was going to be really anxious to monitor the progress of this pregnancy. So she wanted us to come back in in two weeks just to give me peace of mind. So two weeks later, my family of three joined my doctor in her office yet again. She showed me the screen and I immediately knew I had lost the baby. She didn't even have to say anything. I saw that it was about the same size and shape as it had been at the appointment two weeks earlier. All of this before she even said anything. And to be honest, I don't even remember what she had said. I just remember sobbing, lying on this table, still during a vaginal ultrasound, so awkward it felt at the time, but I also didn't care. I was devastated. There is nothing anyone could have said to help my brokenness and my sweet son not understanding what was happening. 
And he just knew we went in to see a picture of our new baby. And now he sees his mom lying on this table crying. And so when he asked what was wrong, I could only say that this baby went to live with Jesus like our other baby that was already in heaven. Let me pause the story for a second, because if I was listening to the story, not being in the position that I was, I would wonder why two parents would take their three-year-old to an appointment like this. Now, no judgment either way, (laughs) because I see both sides, but having been through it from my personal perspective, even currently and at the time, I wanted our son to be there because I knew no matter the outcome, I believe that this is his sibling, that even if it didn't have a life on earth, he or she would be waiting for us already in heaven when we get there. So I told him in that moment that we have two angel babies already in heaven and they now have each other. And I believe in that moment and still today that they are in the arms of Jesus. And I'm not saying that to change your mind or your beliefs. This is just where I personally stood and I stand by that even still today. So I had a couple of choices to make and I decided to just wait and see if my body would (laughs) expel the tissue on its own, which is not even, it's not even fair. And it's just one of those other details of devastation to hear what you consider a baby be considered (laughs) just tissue because it's not, it had a heartbeat. We heard it. We saw it anyway. So we were just waiting to see if my body would take care of it on its own, knowing that my body would probably figure out it was no longer supporting a living being. And so I just immediately began a a very, very deep grieving process. And my doctor assured me that miscarrying on my own was very likely because it was just a few days after my previous appointment that the baby stopped developing. And so I had already lost it a couple weeks prior and it was only probably a few days before my body understood that and um, would take care of it. And so this appointment was on a Friday and told me to wait until Monday if I had miscarried over the weekend to come back in the office and she would check on me. And if I didn't, I would have to make another decision on what I wanted to do, either a surgical DNC to remove the baby and all the tissue or to take a pill and let my body work through the course of nature. So the weekend came and went. And while I was incredibly sad and so, so depressed, even struggling to get out of bed. 
I was still very hopeful that the Lord would deliver my soul's desire to have another baby. I felt like if my body hadn't picked up, that it was no longer supporting a living child for two weeks and some days. I so, so badly wanted to just continue hoping that this child would live. I knew the stories from the Bible that (laughs) Jesus had brought people back from the dead. And I so badly wanted that to happen, especially because the baby was still in my body and my body had the chance to help it develop. But come Monday morning, my body still didn't recognize that it was no longer growing a precious life. And so I called my doctor and she called in a prescription for a pill to begin the process. The medicine was in three doses. The first dose has an 85% chance of the success of completion. Ugh, it all sounds so sterile. Ugh. And then the other two doses are just to make sure the body continues pushing out all of the tissue to make sure the woman doesn't experience a medical emergency. So I took the medicine exactly as prescribed and I waited knowing that these were the last moments my body would hold and care for this baby. I knew that these were the last moments that God could, God could work in a miracle, but then the medicine didn't work. It didn't, It didn't work for the first dose that was like basically guaranteed to. So weird. But then I had the second and third doses to take and those didn't work either. After a few days of the in-between, my doctor told me to come to her office. And she set up an emergency DNC. (laughs) She told me that. In her 30 years of practice that I was the second patient who this medicine didn't work on. So, (laughs) I mean, I would say that's kind of cool. But in this world, in this situation, it freaking sucked. I was pissed. But anyway, the next morning after going from being sad about a second miscarriage and depression but still hopeful to my medicine not working. I wanted to believe that God had an amazing plan and that I would get to fully keep an an alive and healthy baby in my body, but it instead just felt like he wasn't real. Like it all was just in this dreamland. There's no way any of this could really be happening. And it, in all of the ways and all the times I had prayed and hoped, he just didn't care. It just felt like he wasn't, he wasn't there. Like he wasn't real. The only thing that was real was my complete devastation and my loss of now a second child. So the morning of this emergency DNC, I woke up with major cramps. I thought the cramps from my first miscarriage were bad. These were, I mean, true labor pains. And I don't know if they were even considered cramps because there was no relief in the moment of 
tightness. Like it was constant. There was no cramping and then relief, cramping relief. It was just complete tightness. It was, it was constant. And I remember thinking, I wish I had a 50 pound weight to put on my lower abdomen and on my lower back at the same time to counter the pressure I was experiencing because it was so severe. I could not get comfortable and the pain was only continuing to get worse. And at this point, I didn't trust my body at all to know what was happening. I would have thought my body's probably naturally miscarrying, except that my body had lost all reason for me to trust it. (laughs) So in order to get comfortable, I laid on the floor and I tried to alternate pressure between my stomach and my back. So basically, (laughs) I'm sure I looked like this crazy adult woman rolling like a barrel trying to counter this pressure. And then I suddenly felt the baby slip out and my pain instantly decreased by about 80%. In an effort, um, for others going through something similar or had gone through something similar, just another heads up, just a big, big warning. I'm about to be really, really honest about my feelings during this moment of my pregnancy journey because it wasn't something anyone did or could have warned me about. It wasn't anything that I could have researched And it just, it was in these moments that made me feel even more alone. Like, even though my husband was with me the whole time, these next few moments are what absolutely did me in, in my mental state at the time. But, so just a heads up, if this might be bothersome to you or too gruesome, feel free to to skip forward a bit. Um, But again, I'm saying this, I'm sharing this because I want other women to know that they are not alone. (sighs) Okay. So after I felt the baby slip out while I was on the floor, I struggled to get to the bathroom because of the gush of tissue and blood in my underwear. I was able to get to the toilet and to sit down And then the tissue fell into the toilet. It was over. It had passed. And now this fetus, my baby, whose heartbeat was heard and seen, now just lay at the bottom of my toilet. And I realized that it was the only moment of my life on earth I would actually get to see the baby, which of course didn't look like a baby, (laughs) but even so my body tried to hold on to this baby for so long. My despair was so deep that I struggled to care for my son. As a stay-at-home mom, especially when hoping for another baby, it felt like I had failed when the Lord tried to give me one of the biggest blessings of my life yet again. 
I slept constantly. I lost motivation to care for myself. My bed became my comfort and my prison. When I was with my son while my husband was at his office working, I remember just laying out snacks and water for the day for my son. And I just got up to refill them as needed. But otherwise, I couldn't even be an active mom because I was so sad. I was in this grieving, angry zombie mode, walking around, but just still completely dead inside. One of the things that I had never considered that a miscarriage often brings feelings of unexpected grief, which makes complete sense. But then you also have the postpartum hormones while your body still adjusts back to normal. <laughs> postpartum hormones are already enough to send you into an, an emotional tailspin. But if you add the loss of a child and their future, your future, like what feels like all hope. It's unexplainable because your body knows what it's supposed to do and to get ready to try to do it again, but there was still a lot of trauma surrounding that, even within my own body. And time continued on, but like my world stopped. My only comfort was that I believed both angel babies had each other in heaven. And I forced myself to hold on to just a small thread of hope that my son would have a sibling on earth someday. But I was thankful that each baby had a sibling in heaven. And I struggled with so many unanswerable questions. Like, how would I, how would I answer the question of how many kids I have? You know, in casual conversations when you're meeting someone, hey, so how many kids do you have? In my mind, at this point, I had three kids. Only one that people could see, but I had two angel babies that had forever made an impact on my heart. And then, like, would I have another child? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? Was my body damned from carrying another child? We had no issues with my son, with my pregnancy, with the delivery, with any of it. So did I develop some sort of issue now that would create some sort of long struggle with infertility? It was also so frustrating that I felt like I had to struggle silently. Like, of course, I could talk to my husband who was also just completely shattered. And I had a few close friends and family members that I could talk to, but it was hard because every miscarriage journey is different. Even for people who have experienced it, their feelings, even though the feelings may be labeled the same, grief or depression or whatever, even though they may be labeled the same, the actual feelings inside of you are different. And that's one of the things that I realized between me and my husband. He was just as devastated as I was, but in a different way, because the woman gets to know that 
her body is providing life to a baby, (laughs) the man doesn't get to know that feeling. The woman gets to experience the signs of carrying life and in this case, losing that life. And the man's child in this, in the same regard, doesn't get to experience that. The woman's heart gets to beat for every moment of that baby's life. And the man doesn't get to know that level of closeness with his child. And so in all of my brokenness and all of my sadness and loneliness, I began to lose all sense of my purpose. I've talked about my journey with postpartum depression on a previous episode. So if you think that might be helpful or relatable to you, feel free to give that a listen. But what I was experiencing at this point was postpartum depression mixed with grief. And it was all consuming and completely destroying. I did not see the point in living anymore, especially when I couldn't take care of the one child that I already had. And yet I was hoping for another, like I felt like a complete failure as a mom in so many ways. I wondered how I could take care of another one when I couldn't take care of myself. And I struggled with suicidal ideations and I made what felt like a lot of bad choices trying to cope and in my despair we still ultimately wanted another baby so we worked with my doctor on the timing after I had physically healed and then within a couple of months I got a test that had two lines again and it brought such joy along with the fear. (laughs) All of the hope and all of the disappointment somehow coexisted in a way that I had never experienced before. I took more and more and more tests (laughs) over the next few days to monitor the vibrancy of that positive line to make sure it did not fade as it had previously. But honestly, it kept getting slightly stronger each time. So at this point, I knew the routine. I called my doctor, went in for a blood test to monitor how the pregnancy was going in the early stages until I could get a sonogram. When the nurse called me with the test results, she told me that my HCG level was 250. So my initial levels were 250. My original for my first miscarriage was 45. So 250 already sounded more positive. But that I needed to come back in a couple of days because the HCG levels at this point needed to at least double every day. So I went back in for another blood test and I prayed so fervently that my HCG levels would be at least the minimum of what it should have been. So I knew that this baby had a chance. (laughs) And then I realized walking complete faith because at this point, I was so 50-50 on whether or not I thought the baby was going to make it. But at this point, I decided to lean into the positive side and to speak life over this child because whether or not I would get to see the life, experience the life on this side of heaven, again, I believe it was a true life and 
would get to experience moments and all of eternity with this life when I got to heaven. So I was going to speak life and positivity and praise the Lord for this opportunity for this other life that was now growing inside of me. So I didn't just pray for the minimum number because we don't serve a God who only provides the minimum. I wasn't going to have small level thinking. Our God is a maximum strength God and that no barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings or fulfilling his plan. But again, like I said, I was 50-50. <laughs> so I was also being a realist. And I remembered that this child, whether or not I would carry it to full term, is a blessing and a creation from the Lord. And I chose to embrace and enjoy every moment that my heart beat for this baby. And for every moment that I was its provider and its protector. When the nurse called me back with my blood test results a few days later, the HCG levels were even bigger than the number that I had been praying for. I wish I could remember what it was at this point, but I remember thinking in that moment that I had such joy and peace that passed all understanding over this pregnancy. I still had the fear that the baby wouldn't make it, but I refused to let that take root in my mind. And so to make this story come full circle, remember how my son knew I was pregnant before I did, before I miscarried the first time? Well, because of the two losses, I didn't tell him what was happening this time. And my husband happened to be out of town during the week that I took the pregnancy test and the blood tests and everything. So I kept everything to myself. But a couple of hours before my husband came back home and I was about to break the news to my husband that I was pregnant again now for the fourth time. My son started talking about having a baby sister. He would be playing and tell me he was going to the playroom to play with his baby sister. So again, he knew I was pregnant before I even told him. And before I even told my husband, my husband came home, gave us all hugs went up to the playroom to see our son and my son was describing how he was playing with his baby sister. And so my husband came to me and he was like, is there something you need to tell me? And I was like, oh my gosh, is he talking about playing with a baby sister? No, I think he, it's just his imagination, whatever, like just try to pass it off. Even though honestly, <laughs> that's exactly what I was about to tell my husband um, that I was pregnant again. And the joy that we had in that moment, especially me and my husband, my son, he was like, I know, I know I have a baby sister. I know. Like he wasn't as surprised. <laughs> um, but anyway, we just knew that this baby was going to be okay. And it was a testament to God's goodness and faithfulness and God fulfilling his promise that this baby was going to be okay. And that so was I. And so now that baby sister is three years old and she has such 
and excitement and curiosity for life. She is so sweet and loving, but she's also tough and hilarious. And every ounce of the fight that I had to mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically to have her, she was worth every ounce of that. So in the next episode, I'll be sure to share the steps I took and what tools that worked for me to overcome my horrendous, (laughs) destroyed mental and spiritual and physical state. Um, But I wanted to dedicate an entire show to sharing my story for a few reasons. First, I believe that my two angel babies deserve as much recognition as my other children. I understand the acknowledgement is very different than my two kids that are here on earth side. And that's okay. It always will be. There will never be a Christmas card picture with the four kids and me and my husband. There will never be a picture of the four kids playing on the beach, our footprints in the sand, their footprints will remain unseen, but they existed even for a brief moment. And it changed my life and my view of motherhood and my purpose in it. Even though the angel babies are not here in the physical form, I do truly believe they are angels and are with us every day. I also wanted to share my story because it was a defining moment in my life that helped me form into the person, the mom, the wife that I am today. And I couldn't authentically share the tools that worked for me like I will in this next episode without first painting a picture to the best of my ability, at least of the depths of my sorrow. I also wanted to pick back up with the podcast and didn't want it to seem like I am the same person I was in the beginning episodes. I have grown so much and I have such a passion for helping women find peace and purpose in their daily lives and a big part of that is because of the footprints of these angel babies on my heart so going through all of this helps me put into perspective the overall joys of motherhood but what a roller coaster ride it can be it's overwhelming to take care of littles while trying to care for yourself and your other responsibilities. But my story for myself and hopefully for you too, to some extent reminds me of how hard I fought even to keep my own heart beating and how badly I wanted another child. And to remind myself of this when I get overwhelmed with motherhood, I remember what a gift from the Lord children truly are But a lot of it is dependent on your perspective and your obedience and walking with Jesus and trusting Jesus and teaching your children to do the same. It also reminds me of the very real, very human experiences we all go through and how we weren't meant to go at it alone. And while the pain might be profound It is also in these moments of deep vulnerability that we often find the most profound strength and resilience. 
and even transformation until we push through the darkness and start to see the light again. Psalm 34, 18 tells us the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And sisters, I want to encourage you today, no matter how overwhelming life may seem, God's promises remain unbroken. He may not deliver them in the way we want or in the time that we want, but he is faithful and he is good. And so I want to leave you with a little prayer over you and you are welcome to join in right where you are, or you can just listen and let me speak this over you. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up the hearts of the mothers feeling overwhelmed in their roles and responsibilities. Lord, we ask that you provide comfort and strength. Remind them that they are not alone and they are so deeply cherished by you. And Lord, I pray that you grant them wisdom and grace and God, that you will fill their hearts with peace as they nurture their families. Lord, let them feel your presence and your love as your daughter and may they find joy in their journey and grace in their challenges and hope in you in your name we pray amen hey there sweet friend before you go i would love to connect with you beyond this podcast for behind the scenes content updates inspiration and more make sure you follow the live your purpose podcast across almost all social media platforms Dive into our community and join the conversation. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback makes my heart happy, but it also helps others discover the show so that they can be inspired and encouraged in their overwhelm to live out their purpose as well. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. And until next time, just know you are loved, you are not alone, and only you can live your purpose.